It's in the front of your Bible too, okay? See, this is why we got to learn where they're at, amen? Ruth chapter number one. Uh, last week, we tried to do Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and that was not possible. We found that out. So we, we, we did Joshua, and we're going to try to do Judges and Ruth together. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the outline and just give it to you and just say, this is what we find in ju- or, uh, 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 Judges, and this is what we find in Ruth. And then I'm going to share with you five specific things that God showed me out of these two books that we can apply to our life, that we can learn from there and, uh, and, and, and take and grow on. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. Ruth chapter number one, <clears throat> Ruth chapter number one, uh, what is significant about the book of Ruth is that this was written or this was taking place during the time of the judges. And what is significant about the time of the judges is found in the very last verse of the book of Judges, and it says this, in those days, what days? The days of the judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and because of that, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, how many of y'all in here know that's not good? Because what may seem right to you may not seem right to him, and what might seem right to us may not seem right to God. So this is the atmosphere that we are looking at here in the story. It says in in verse number one of Ruth, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malan and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. We had two words, sojourn and now continued. It says, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about how long? Ten years. Ten years. Now, if you remember in verse 1, they just went for a little while. We're just going to go hang out for a little while till the, till the, the difficulty's over, till it all settles, and, and they ended up staying 10 years. And Malin and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Father, I pray that your will be done. Lord, please help us today to learn something. Help us to be better Christians today than we were yesterday. And God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right? Uh, for all, uh, all you outline people in here, here's your outline. Here's your outline for the book of Judges. Judges, basically four things we find in the book of Judges. We know it is an atmosphere. It is an atmosphere that is surrounded by people doing their own thing. People doing what was right in their own eyes. And, and the first thing we find is deviation. If you want to see the whole book of Judges, read chapter 2. Chapter 2 is a synopsis of the whole book. You can read it, and it'll describe everything that takes place in the whole book in Judges chapter number 2. But first we find deviation, or if you want to use the word compromise. God said to do this, and they did that. God said, don't be hanging out with the, the, the Canaanites. Don't be hanging out with the people of the land. Uh, and, and this is the nation of Israel in the promised land. He said, don't hobnob with them. Don't hang out with them. Don't spend time with them. Because if you start hanging out with the wrong crowd, you're going to start acting like the wrong crowd. 
He said, don't follow their gods. Don't follow their religions. Don't you mix with them. Don't take their daughters to your sons. Don't give your sons to their daughters. Hey, stay away from them. Drive them out. And we know they didn't do that. Several reasons uh, we we can talk about. It was about money. Instead of driving them out, they put them to taxes and started making money off of them. How many of y'all know that the love of money is the root of all evil? Not money, the love of money. Money's neutral. There ain't nothing evil about money itself. Money can be a blessing. Say amen. They say money can't buy happiness, but it sure knocks the edge off of poverty. Say amen. Listen, it's not the money. It's the love of money. And they found out we can make money off these people. Let's not drive them out. But the problem is it ruined their children. Because their gods and their idolatry and their false religion rubbed off on them, and now now we go from deviation to just plain out disobedience. And you know, that's what's going to happen if we compromise with the world. We'll, we'll just slide away. We'll just allow a little bit in our life. We'll just do a little bit. And now we're in plain out disobedience. And when disobedience comes with God's people, it always leads to discipline. You cannot disobey God and God turn the eye. God will not sweep anything under the rug. God will not ignore disobedience in his children. I promise you this. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If you are without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. If you can go live like a yard dog in this world, you can go run around, carry on, and and carouse around and do all this stuff, and God not get your attention, you do not belong to God. But ladies and gentlemen, if you belong to God, I promise you this, that belt is coming. And God knows how to get our attention, amen? So we go from deviation uh, to, to disobedience to discipline. He brought other nations in several times. He brought other nations in and put them to slavery and put them to bondage. Isn't it an amazing thing that sin is always compared to bondage and slavery? You say, what's the point? No, no drunk ever thought he was going to be a drunk by drinking that first drink. Nobody that's, that's addicted to cigarettes ever thought they'd have this slavery, this bondage, these chains upon them by that first cigarette. Matter of fact, they probably didn't even like it the first time. They probably choked to death. But they were trying to impress people they didn't even like. Say amen. And here we go. I can tell you, I can tell you people after people after people. Uh, I, one, one gentleman told me, uh, uh, my, my coon hunting buddy, he told me, he said, I would give my farm if I could quit smoking. I'd give it all. But it's got him. Bondage, sin will do that. It may seem fun at first, but it always leads to bondage. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, uh, uh, and there's a lot we can say about that, but disobedience, but thank God, When God has to discipline us and his children cry out to him, God always sends deliverance. So here's what we have over and over and over again in the book of Judges. Deviation, disobedience, discipline, and then deliverance. And the deliverer was the judges. Every time that God's people called out to him and said, help, help us, help us, help us, get us out of this mess, get us out of this mess, he would send a judge to come in and conquer the enemy and deliver them. So if that makes sense so far, say amen. Okay, so they got judges. But the problem was that every time the judge died, they would go back and do it all over again. Every time the judge, while the judge was alive, everything was great. 
While the judge was alive, they followed the Lord. While the judge was alive, they, they were obedient to him. But as soon as the judge died, here we go again. How many of you in here has ever found yourself in a spot that you promised God you wouldn't ever get into no more? And the rest of you lying. Here we go again. I promise, I promise, I promise. I won't, I won't never do that. And he, he gets us out of it. He delivers us. He rescues us. And just, just before we know it, I promise, I promise. That's, is, this, is this not true? So that's the book of Judges. That's the book of Judges. Now here's the book of Ruth. Here's the book of Ruth. Write these things down, and then I'm going to give you my five things here. And I got to do this because I, I want to. I'm telling you, man, this stuff's so good. You just want to hunker down, and we hunker down. We ain't never going to get done. Amen. Uh, four chapters, four chapters in the book of Ruth, and I'll tell you what's found in each chapter. Okay, so write this down. Chapter number one of Ruth, we find ruin. Can y'all say that? Say it again. Ruin. They made a bad decision. They made a bad decision, and it led to ruin. They lost their husbands. There were three husbands lost. Their hope was lost. Their help was lost. Everything, because you've got to get this. There was no Social Security. There was no welfare in that day. The only Social Security you had was your children and your grandchildren. The grandchildren took care of the grandparents when they got old, say amen. That's the way it was. That's the way it should be. That's the way God intended it to be. And, and here we go, all of this. Well, that's gone now. There's no hope. Listen, because of a bad decision, she's left broken. She's left bitter. She's left, listen, she has no hope for the future. She says, I went out full, but God has brought me back empty. She says, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Don't call me pleasant. There ain't nothing pleasant about my life. Call me Mara, for God has dealt bitterly with me. So in chapter one, we find ruin. Chapter number two, we're introduced to a redeemer. His name is Boaz. And that is a type of the Savior. And when we are entering, and by the way, he's loaded. Are y'all with me? And, and, and in that, and there's a lot we can say about that too, his favor and his focus. He checks out Ruth, and Ruth is a type of the sinner, uh, the Gentile bride, which is us, amen. And he's checking her out. Oh, he saw her before she ever saw him, amen. Before I ever knew who Jesus was, Jesus knew who I was, amen. We see his favor, his focus, and his fellowship. He said, come and have lunch with me, amen. I'm glad for the day that Jesus invited me into his life, amen. Are y'all with me? See, 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 that's why. Now you know why I want to hunker down right there. Amen? We see the Redeemer in chapter number two. And then in chapter number three, we see a relationship. We see a relationship. Uh, the sinner comes and, 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 and sits at the feet of the Redeemer and submits and, and asks for, for a closer walk with thee. Amen? She says, I'm not, I'm not satisfied gleaning in the fields, taking the scraps on my own. I, wanna, I want the whole field. Amen. But that's a whole other story. Amen. Number four. In, 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 in chapter one, we find, y'all got to get with me. Chapter one. Chapter two. Chapter three. And chapter four, we find redemption and restoration. Hey, a bad decision may have caused ruin in the first chapter of your life. 
Poor decisions may have caused issues and problems and difficulty and tragedy. Uh, Listen, ruin can take place in the first chapter. But I'm glad the first chapter doesn't determine the whole book. I'm glad that we read in Genesis that, that sin came into this world. Disobedience came into this world. Death came into this world. Despair came into this world. Discouragement came into this world. But if you was to stop reading there, you'd go into a depression. But honey, if you keep on reading throughout the book, by the time you get to the last chapter, you'll find out that Jesus has won. Jesus is coming back. Jesus destroys death. And Jesus is coming for us all. Say Amen. Hey, there may be ruin in the first chapter, but thank God, God writes the last chapter. Amen? Amen. Goes right there. Say amen. Now, with the intro out of the way, here's the message. Five things. Five things that that God showed me out of here. And I'm going to just warn mainly you guys in here. It's going to get a little tight for a little bit. So just just bear with me and and, and don't get mad at me because I'm warning you ahead of time. All right? Uh, it, it, you know, it, it, not that that's going to make it any better. I'm fixing to slap you, so uh, you know that don't make that don't make the slap any better, does it? Amen. Knowing knowing that it's coming, but at least you won't be shocked about it. Amen. Uh, here's some things that we take out of Judges and Ruth that we can glean today. Because see, it's not going to matter if I just come and give you some Bible stuff and you're smarter about the Bible. That's not going to change anything. But if we can take the truths that's in these stories and in these books and apply it to every day, that will change us. Are y'all with me? So here's the first thing that God showed me out of these two books. Number one, you cannot depend on somebody else's spirituality. You cannot depend on someone else's spirituality. Preacher, what is the point? Here's the point. As long as Joshua, according to Judges I think chapter 1 and in, in, in chapter 2, in chapter two, it says that, that Joshua was living, the elders were living. As long as they were alive, they followed God. But as soon as they died, the Bible says there arose a generation after him who knew not the Lord. And they disobeyed God. Do you realize as long as Moses was in the camp, the people acted like somebody? But the moment that he was, he was on the mountain getting the word from God, they thought he was gone. They thought he was no more. And they built a, a golden calf. Now, as long as their leader was there, they acted like somebody. As soon as he was gone, you know what they were doing? They were dependent on the spirituality and the holiness and the walk with God that Moses had. They didn't have their own. As soon as Joshua died, guess what? They acted crazy. And God sent a judge, a leader, a spiritual hero, if you will. As long as that hero was alive, as long as that judge was alive, guess what? They acted like somebody. But as soon as he died... Here we go again. Now, here's, what, here's how we're going to apply this. There's too many spouses depending on the spiritually strong spouse. And guys, you're not going to like this, but I've been all over this country preaching, and I see more women in church than men. And matter of fact, if it wasn't for some of your wives in here, you wouldn't be here right now. And I've heard, I've heard some people say, well, she's my rock. She don't need to be your rock. Listen, 
Guys, you got to get this. Oh, we've got our system worked out. It's working good for us. Don't mess with a good thing. It's not a good thing because one day you're going to stand before God and give account for the leadership you provide because it's not her place to provide the spiritual leadership in the home. It's yours. And you're going to stand before God one day and give account for that. Now, here's my, here's my issue, and, and, and this is why you're just, you're just oh, on your high horse. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Here's, here's the problem. What if your rock dies? What if your rock fails? God forbid, but what if your rock runs off with another pebble? <laughs> oh, that could never happen. Oh, sure, adultery never happens in marriage. I get it. Yeah, that's right. No one ever said, I saw that coming. Are y'all with me? You cannot depend on the spirituality of your spouse. You need your own walk with God. Hey, young people, you can't depend on the spirituality of your parents. So how do you know this issue? 77% of all the kids that grow up in church by their first year in college, they're gone. They quit walking with God. They quit serving God. They quit doing anything because the whole time they were dependent on the spirituality of their parents. And they have not their own relationship. The only thing they know about God is what they know through their parents. You need to walk with God yourself. The rock you're dependent on doesn't need to be your spouse. It doesn't need to be your parents. It doesn't need to be be your friend. It needs to be Jesus. Some of y'all have got friends, and this is how you act. When you're with the bad ones, you act bad. When you're with the good ones, you act good. You're a charlatan. You're a chameleon. You don't even know what you are. And that's a problem. What, what do you want to be? Depend on him. So that when you're with the good friend or the bad friend, you're still on stable ground. You see? And, and no, nobody likes this. That's why it's so quiet. We want to shout about the Redeemer and shout, hey, God can make. But, but when we go to talking real stuff, it gets real quiet. Listen, this is This is true. This is true. Quit depending on everybody else for your walk with God. Walk with him yourself. Listen, I don't want to be your rock. I don't want to be your rock. I don't want you to depend on your spiritual leader. I shave me. I know me. I'm no rock. At least twice a week I shave Sunday and Wednesday, amen? But I know me. How many, how, many, how many baby Christians have fallen by the wayside because their spiritual leader who they trusted so much in messed up and fell? He's my rock. He don't need to be your rock. She don't need to be your rock. The only rock you need to be leaning on is Jesus. Amen? Number one. You cannot depend on somebody else's spirituality. Number two, number two, here's something else God showed me in this deal. <clears throat> and by the way, you say, where do you find that? Every time the judges died, they went crazy. What, is that, what about Ruth? Do you realize that as long as the daddy was alive, 
the husbands didn't marry no Moabite women? Because, see, that was against the law of God to, to marry outside. And, 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 and as soon as the father died, read it. I didn't even see it till this morning. When I saw it this morning, it just stood out. They never married the Moabite women until their daddy died. So even though he had failed and he was weak in his decisions that we're going to find, he was still, but as soon as he was out of the picture, look what happened. Are y'all with me? Number two. Number two. Most of the failures in my life are the result of a bad decision. Most of the results in my life are the, or most of the failures in my life are the results of a bad decision. Watch what it says. In, 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 uh, let me get over here to my, to my notes. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. How many of y'all glad God is faithful? Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. What does that mean? Every time I failed and messed up, there was a way of escape, and I chose not to use it. I chose, I made a bad decision. I made a bad decision. You see, Elimelech, Elimelech had an issue that took place in Bethlehem, Judah, and he decided to go to the enemy. He decided to take his family and go to the enemy's camp. Go to the Moabite people who were wicked beyond belief, who were the enemies of Israel. And because of that bad decision, he lost his life and his two sons lost their lives. And his wife, Naomi, lost her testimony because of a bad decision. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying this. We need to walk with God and have our own walk with him so we quit making bad decisions. Bad decisions. Number three, write this down. Write this down. Because this is going to really pop. Bad decisions usually take place in a time that requires faith. Bad decisions usually take place in times that require faith. What do you mean? Here's what happened. A famine came into, 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 into play. And if you don't know what a famine is, it means they have no food. I don't know if you know, but that's a serious situation. Say amen. Now, we can't comprehend that today. We can't because we can go to the local store. We can go to Burger King. I mean, anywhere from any of our houses, you can throw a rock. We can usually get something to eat. But in that day, you didn't have that. You were going to starve. And there was a famine. So instead of trusting God like everybody else did, he says, I'm going to Moab. I'm going to the devil's crowd. I'm going to go where I don't belong. How about Abraham? Abraham, he's in, the, he's in the promised land. God said, go to a place I'm going to show you. He gets to the place God shows you. Guess what happens? Same thing, famine. Because God wants him to exercise his faith. Well, instead of exercising faith, he made a bad decision and went down into Egypt. And because of Egypt, ultimately, he lost Lot. And all that went on in Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot and him losing his family is a direct result of what happened in Egypt with Abraham because he made a bad decision because he didn't trust God. How about Elijah? Elijah, he comes down off Mount Carmel. 
I mean, he has a revival. They killed the, 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 the prophets of Baal. God sent fire down from heaven. He's the one. Listen, I'm talking about Elijah, who God fed at the brook, who the raven came and gave him meat twice a day. Elijah, who performed the miracle for the widow, and God took care of him every step of the way. When he got to the palace, Jezebel threatened him, and instead of trusting God. Instead of putting faith in God, he made a bad decision and ran off and got depressed and suicidal. Preacher, what are you saying? How about Peter? Peter, I'm talking about water walking Peter. I'm talking about Mount of Transfiguration Peter who stood and watched the glory of God and the deity of God come out of Jesus. I'm talking about the Peter who saw blinded eyes healed, lame legs walk again, the dumb to speak and the deaf to hear. I'm talking about Peter who was in the upper room and saw the dead rise again. I'm talking about the Peter who was in the garden tomb when Lazarus came forth. That same Peter in a time that required faith and trust in God, he denied the Lord and made a bad decision. And how many times does God's people, in a time that requires faith, I'm just going to throw this marriage out. I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to do. No, 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 no. Trust God. There's been times in my life financially that I got all wigged out and scared and worried, oh, what am I going to do? And then go borrow money. Yeah, that's smart. Instead of trusting God that God would take care of it, I dug myself deeper in debt. And how many times is God saying, trust me? Now, how many of you can relate to what I'm saying? Most bad decisions come when we get scared and we stop trusting God. Because he made the bad decision in a time that required faith. And all God's people say it. Number four. Here's the fourth thing God showed me. Once the bad decision is made, you cannot control the extent or the consequences of it. Once the bad decision is made, You're no longer in control. You're in control up until the point you make the bad decision. You have control over the decision. You can make a right decision and trust God, or you can make a poor decision and have no faith. You're in control to that point. But the moment you make a bad decision, it's all out of your control. Before David went up, and you say, where are you getting at? Elimelech made a bad decision to go down into Moab. But guess what? He died. His sons died. They lost their testimony and their reputation. He couldn't control it anymore. The only thing he controlled was making the bad decision and going to Moab. After that, it was a landslide. David could have controlled himself from going up to the top of that roof and checking out that naked woman. But once he made that bad decision and went up and disobeyed God and lusted after her, he ended up committing adultery, he ended up committing murder, he ended up doing things he never dreamed in a million years he would ever, ever do. 
He lost his family. He lost his baby. He lost his oldest son who, 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 who committed an insurrection against him, slept with his other wives, was hung in a tree by his hair and a spear thrown through his heart, his own son. Preacher, what do you say? He even got a venereal disease. What are you saying? I'm saying this. You're in charge of the decision, but after that, you're out of control. You're in charge of the decision till the decision's made. Once that takes place, then you have no control of the consequences. I don't, I don't even like to talk about this, but maybe it'll, maybe it'll help you understand what I'm saying. There was a young man who had a choice to stay in his race car or get out. And now... He's dead. Now, I don't care. I don't care who, whose side you're on or who you blame or any of that. Do you, re, do you understand if this one decision had not been made, we wouldn't even be having this conversation? Because, see, once you get out that car, what happens after that is out of your control. That young man, I guarantee you, that young man never dreamed in a million years what happened took place, and it happened. Now, whatever you feel about what's going on in Missouri is irrelevant. Whether you think it's the, the, the thug's fault or whether you think it's the cop's fault or whether you, whatever, that, it, none of that matters. But do you realize, do you realize if they'd never went in that store and, and robbed that store, we wouldn't be having this conversation. There's probably bad decisions made on all kinds of sides in both of these situations. But do you realize once the decision's made, you're not in control anymore. And I've come to find this out. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also. And you put one. Listen, listen now. Please don't, don't, don't lose me now. Don't lose me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Do you realize you put one kernel of corn in the ground? You're going to reap a whole ear. What does that mean? You're going to reap a whole lot more. And what you sow. And that's what we learn in Judges and Ruth. But I'm not going to leave you like that. Because there's something else I saw. Number five. God can turn it around. <laughs> Brother Larry, every single time that God's people were broken... And they repented and they turned to God. The Bible says God heard their cry. You see, in chapter 1 of Ruth, you find ruin. You find a bad decision. You find brokenness. You find bitterness. You find no hope and no help. But oh, in that last chapter, when, when ruin meets a redeemer... There will be restoration, redemption, and rejoicing. You see, she was crying in chapter 1, but it was cry and tears of bitterness and sorrow. 
But in chapter number four, she's crying again, but it's tears of joy. It's tears of jubilation. I'm here to tell you, God can turn it around. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what your decision is. If you will turn around, he will turn it around. If you will come to God and give it to him and say, God, I am sorry for my past. I'm sorry for my decision. Help me, oh God. God has the ability to turn night into day. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. God can take your mess and turn it around. God can take your faith and turn it around. God can do what you cannot do. Say amen. He can turn it around. And see, there's some people in here you need to know this morning, God can turn it around. He can turn your mess around. He can turn your failure around. He can turn and give you hope again. You're so discouraged, you're ready to throw in the towel. Well, I'm telling you, have some faith today and believe God can do it. And there's also some people in here right now, you're about to make a bad decision. You're right on the edge. You're right on the verge. And the devil's whispering in your ear. And the devil's telling you lie after lie after lie. But I'm here to tell you, don't do it. Don't make that decision. Hang on a little longer. Trust God and put some faith in him. And I guarantee you, God can do the miraculous. Are y'all with me? Say amen. How many of y'all are glad God can turn it around? Let's give him praise and glory and honor in this place. Stand up. Stand up. Y'all can remain seated. Amen. All right. Unless you're in a wheelchair, stand up. Amen. Amen. Listen, trust him. Just trust him. Say, but you don't know what's going on. I know that. Listen, if I was to tell you to trust him when everything was going good, it would be easy. Amen? See, God wants you to trust him when you can't see tomorrow. God wants you to trust him when it don't seem like hope. God wants you to trust him when it seems like a famine. Believe him for your marriage. Believe him for your ministry. Believe him for your family and your children. Believe him for your health. Just trust him. And all God's people say it. Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, touch everyone here. Lord, there's some folks that need to come to this altar right now, even before I stop praying. They need to come right now and say, help me not to make a bad decision. Help me not to make a bad decision, Lord. Help me. Lord, keep me from making a bad decision. Lord, there's some here that's already made a bad decision. They, they need to come and get help. Lord, they need to come and get restored. They need to come and get, Lord, redeemed and changed and forgiven. God, there's some who are living in, in, in a time of discouragement right now because the devil's done told them it's too late, it's too gone, it's too far. God, I want you to encourage them today. I want them to come and find a place in this altar and say, help me, Lord. Change my heart. Lord, don't let me listen to the lies of the devil. Lord, come and encourage me. I pray if they need encouragement, I want them to come right now. Step out of that pew and come and find a place and give their burden to the Lord. He said, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. I pray that your will be done today. We're not going to drag out an invitation, but we want people to get the help they need. God, I'll praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.